not with AK-47s, not with swords, but fight some battles with your praise and your worship here today for the King of Kings. Dr. T.L. Lowry used to say this. He used to say, and only the way he could, he would say, I imagine when I'm clapping my hands that I'm crushing demon skulls together. I just want us to praise the Lord and clap our hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We're going to fight our battles with praise here today. We're crushing demon skulls. We're stepping on the devil's head here today. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We worship you in spirit and in truth here today, Lord. We praise you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God strongly in this place today. Are you thankful? Come on, one more time. Just give him praise. Give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. 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 If you'd take your Bibles with me, remain standing just a few more moments. Our kids can be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. Judges chapter 16 is where we're going to go. Judges chapter 16. We're going to read verses 19 through 29. Judges chapter 16, verses 19 through 21 so good to see you here today at Starkville Church of God seem like every Sunday we come in see more and more people I just want to let you know you're welcome here we're thankful that you are here today with us at Starkville Church of God I'm anticipating a continued spirit of growth here at Starkville Church of God. I believe we are already in the middle of it. I don't want to say I'm anticipating it. I'm anticipating continued. We're already in it. I'm anticipating it continuing as the Lord takes us forward. Judges chapter 16, verse 19, reading from the King James this morning. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, she began to afflict him and his strength went from him and she said the Philistines be upon thee Samson and he awoke out of his sleep and said I will go out as at other times before and shake myself and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him but the Philistines took him put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. I want to speak to you on a subject this morning when the extraordinary becomes ordinary. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you, Lord. This What an awesome atmosphere that we have had here this morning already. Lord, I believe that, Lord, Lord, the preaching, I believe, will be easy through your spirit and through the liberty that is here. You said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. 
And Lord, I continue to ask you for that freedom to flow here today. There's been freedom to worship here, and I pray that there would be freedom to preach here today. And there would be freedom to receive from your word, that the seed would fall onto good ground and bring forth a mighty harvest. I ask that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Lord, let me preach like a man from another world. I pray, oh God, that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit, those listening here in person, those listening by podcast. Lord, you know them. You know when they'll be listening. You know how. And God, I'm just believing you're going to do a great work, and we thank you for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated as you are. Wave to somebody. Fist bump somebody. Tell them you are glad to see them at Starkville Church of God this morning. What an awesome atmosphere here this morning. You know, I hate to do it as, as fleshly as this, but I don't know, maybe a good win last night got everybody in Starkville feeling a little better. I don't know. Uh, but y'all are definitely in a better mood today. I know I was last night. When the extraordinary becomes ordinary. You look in Webster's Dictionary, the word extraordinary says means this, beyond what is usual, ordinary or regular or established. You see, we think about things and we can think about, it's not hard to think about an ordinary day. How many of you over this past week would say, I had an ordinary day? Wasn't extra bad, wasn't extra good, just a day. It's an ordinary day. Went to work, went to school, did whatever you may do if you're retired, went and did whatever you do. Just one of those ordinary days. And we think about those and we know that more than not, I guess that's what makes things ordinary, is ordinary is usually what there's more of. There's more of the ordinary, and that's really what makes it ordinary. You think about extraordinary, and the definition takes it beyond what is usual, ordinary or regular. I don't want to get you depressed. I want to lift you up here today, but we think about that. Sometimes we have extraordinary bad days. In other words, it's beyond what is usual, ordinary or regular. Things are just really, really bad. It's not just the normal things that we face. It's terrible. But I'd rather think of extraordinary days. Come on, I want you to think about that for just a second. I want you to think about an extraordinary day, a time that you just had fun, a time that you had fun with your spouse, with your family. I can think about extraordinary days, really, and, and truly one of the things, and I heard on the radio the other day that more people today are thinking about as they're thinking about Christmas, and listen, I'm not going to get too carried away here. Some of you may already be putting a tree up. I know some people like that, but I'm not quite there, but I heard on the radio the other day that people are now thinking about as they're gift giving of giving more things like experiences, less gifts that will just, you know, you'll use it a little while or maybe even you'll re-gift it. <laughs> but people are looking at experiences. And when I think about an extraordinary day and an extraordinary time, I think about in November of 2018 when the four of us, me, Jamie, Jaden, and Molly Kate, we went and we got on the Carnival Dream. And for eight days we cruised. And I was, it was an extraordinary time to me. It was beyond usual. It was beyond regular. It was relaxing. The weather was beautiful. There was never any storms. We swam with some dolphins. Anybody ever done that? Now, I mean, we spent more money than I even want to think about. When that We swam with dolphins. We did the thing. You hold on to their fins, and they pulled you down. They did good with them. I think when it got time to pull me around, they got a little tired, but they pulled me down. Then you get on the board, and they get behind you and push you with your feet. 
We did that. We did all kinds of different things. And it was an extraordinary, it was beyond what is usual, ordinary, regular, or established. You think about extraordinary, and as I talked about last week, I know that there are some that I have pastored and talked to before that don't care that much about sports, but I do have to say, as I said last week, when we find look in the Bible, we find that the Apostle Paul especially used sports as a metaphor to help people to understand things. And because that's the way my mind works also, when I think about extraordinary, I think about extraordinary athletes as well. Now, I don't know what camp you're in. I don't know what your belief is, but I've got the microphone today. And my opinion, humbly, is this, that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, that it is not LeBron James, that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. I think about him by all means. I'm not saying LeBron's not good. Of course, he could take me. But I'm talking about Jordan was just an extraordinary, greatest of all time athlete. You see, there's something sad, though, when something or someone extraordinary becomes ordinary. I mentioned Michael Jordan, and I remember growing up, and I can remember growing up as a kid watching the finals between the Bulls and the Suns. Anybody? I know I'm taking it back. Some of y'all probably weren't born back then, but I can remember watching those NBA finals between the Bulls and the Suns, and I also like Charles Barkley, too. I don't think he was as good as Jordan, but I liked him, and watching those finals and watching how good they were. And I remembered Michael Jordan, the things that he could do just, I mean, he could just fly almost. It seemed like it wasn't jumping. It seemed like it was flying. And then I remember Michael, he took off for a little while because he wanted to pursue baseball for a little while and played baseball a little while, came back, won some more championships after that. And then as things happen and as we get older and, you know, time does things to our bodies, I remember as he went for a season or two, and some of you probably, Danny can probably tell me exactly how many, I can't remember, a couple seasons at least with the Washington Wizards, and you saw this great, extraordinary athlete was just not quite what he used to be. He went from, of course, he was still in the league in the National Basketball Association, he was still way better than I could ever be, but when you looked at what he used to be and what he was then, he was not quite that extraordinary anymore. I think about Tiger Woods who broke all, and I'll just say this, when it comes to the game of golf, Tiger Woods, no doubt, the GOAT. He was the greatest of all time. One all just, I mean, he was not just beating people. He was just demolishing people on the golf course. It was in April of 2017 then that he was missing the Masters for the third time in four years. You begin to look at his life, and I'm not going to go into the details. Most of you, if you watch the news, it's very public, the things that he went through, divorce and all kinds of personal issues in his life. And you saw this guy that, although, yeah, if me and him went out there to the golf course, he still would have demolished me. But yet he was not that extraordinary player that he had once been. And when you looked at him, even though he was still better than a lot of them out there, when you looked at him and you knew what he used to be, and what he was then, suddenly it just, there was something there. Even though they were still in the league with everyone else around them, when you'd seen them at their best, ordinary just wouldn't cut it anymore. So we look in the Bible and we find kind of a similar situation. We find a guy named Samson. A guy that had had an extraordinary beginning. In fact, if you read in the book of Judges, and I want to encourage you, please read your Bible. 
Throughout the week, not just when we come in here and I tell you to turn to this and do that. I mean, throughout the week, read your Bible. Go back this week, I encourage you, to the book of Judges. You'll find some pretty interesting people. One of them is Samson. And we find that Samson's mother was barren. She couldn't have a child. And and suddenly, the Bible says, an angel shows up to Samson's mama and says, you're going to have a baby. He's going to be in my own word, he's going to be extraordinary. He, she, he said, I need you to do a couple things. You don't need to drink any fruit of the vine. You don't need to drink anything fermented. You don't need to touch any dead thing because the boy that you're going to have is going to be a Nazarene. He is going to be extraordinary. God is going to use him in ways you can't even imagine. And so the angel leaves and she goes and tells her husband, and he's like, I, I didn't get to see this dude. I want, to, I want this... RDL version right here. God would encourage you to go read it. I'm just giving you my summary. And he says, I want to see this guy. I wish he'd show up. So they prayed. They prayed, Lord, if this is real, if this was really an angel, if this was your word coming to us, let this guy show back up. And what happened? Boom. The guy shows back up one day. Shows back up to Samson's mom. She says, stay right here. I've got to get my husband. He wants to talk to you. So they talk. And the husband is like, what do we need to do? I believe you. I believe what you're saying is true. Tell us what we need to do. Tell us how to raise this boy. Tell us. And so he tells him. And sure enough, in about a year, this woman that had been absolutely barren and could not have a child then had a baby boy in her arms whom they named Samson. Samson's life began began in an extraordinary way manner. Throughout his life, we find that most of you here, if you've been in church and you've been to Sunday school, you've heard the stories about Samson. I like the stories about Samson, probably because I am a male, and all of us males like to think about the things that he did. I like to think about the fact that one night, the enemies thought that he had, they had him trapped, and he did what? The Bible said he tore the gates, the posts, and everything off of the city and took it up to the top of the hill and left it there. He killed enemies that would come against him. He was extraordinarily strong. God had given him an extraordinary anointing uh, to be able to do physically impossible things. Enemies would come at one point. He came, they came to Judah and they were the, the Philistines that said, listen, this guy named Samson has killed a bunch of our people. Y'all are about to have trouble. And they go to Samson and they say, Samson, we got to turn you over. The Philistines are about to, they're going to tear down our houses. They're going to burn things. We've got, you've got to cooperate with us. And so Samson said, I'll tell you what, if you will promise me that you won't kill me, he said, I'll let you tie me up. I'll let you take me to the Philistines. And they said, we promise we will not harm you. So the Bible says that they, they tie him all up with all these ropes and those, the men of Judah them deliver him to the Philistines, because Samson didn't want to hurt his own, but buddy, whenever his brothers got out of the way, the Bible said that he broke through those ropes, he went, picked up the 
jawbone of a donkey, killed about a thousand people that day got so thirsty then he's like God you're gonna let me have this great victory then you're gonna let me die of thirst and God let a brand new spring of water come up out of the ground and he drank from it I mean this guy Samson was an extraordinary man he was a man who that it almost seems unbelievable when you think about these things now I'm gonna give you my opinion and take it and about $27, and you can get you a Starbucks coffee. My opinion is this. I believe more than likely he was still a large man due to the fact that at the end of his life, what we read from the text, that they used him to grind at the mill. Now, you know, I've heard a lot of people, I've heard different things, but this is my sermon. I'm going to preach it the way I want to. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I just believe he was a tiny man and God used him. Well, you can believe that. That's fine if you want to. But I also believe that I've seen some things and I've seen what God tends to do. God tends to take our natural abilities and do them with his supernatural power and make them even greater. So I have to personally, again, this is not a heaven or hell issue. This is just what I believe. I tend to believe that Samson was already, must have been a pretty big fellow. And then with the anointing of God on him, he was just more powerful than anybody could un- imagine. And so I believe that God in this case, like he does all of our lives, will take the gifts and abilities that he's given us in the first place. Because I want you to know what you can do. You didn't get it on your own. These singers and musicians up here, as good as they are, I know it took practice and it took development, but can I tell you the gift did not come from themselves, but the gift came from the Lord. There are a lot of you out there that can do a lot of different things. You are good at it. But can I remind you that those talents and abilities that you have, you may have developed them and you may have, yes, been disciplined to help to help develop them even more. But it is God Almighty that gives us the abilities and the talents that we have in our lives. I believe Samson must have been a pretty decent man because even after the Spirit of the Lord and even after his supernatural strength had left, we find they use him like a mule to turn the wheel and grind, which is what this is up here. As you see, one of those where a wheel will go around and it will grind the grain and the corn or whatever they want to grind up. So I think about this guy, Samson. Think about how great he was, how mighty he was, how powerful he was, ripping down gates, toting gates and posts and everything else off of a city wall, taking it to the top of a hill. Thinking about a guy that killed over a thousand with just a donkey jawbone. Thinking about how extraordinary, snapping through ropes and cords like they're nothing. And now as we find him in our text... His eyes are gouged out. His hair is shaved off. He's no stronger than any other ordinary man. It becomes a sad, sad sight. And you know, as I reflect on this, I think about the church today, especially Pentecostal churches. You see, because once we were extraordinary... Once people would come in to our churches and they'd come in and miracles would happen. 
Blinded eyes would be open. Deaf ears would be unstopped. Cripples would get up out of wheelchairs and walk. Gorders would disappear. Miracles would take place. Story after story I've heard, testimonies from the days of old of how those that may not have even been in Pentecostal churches would sneak and they would ask the pastor of the Pentecostal church to pray for them because they knew that there was something extraordinary because they had seen God do things in their midst. People would come in fired up and ready to worship. There was a passion. There was a fervency there. We were excited about church. We wanted to get to church. Every time the doors were open, most of the church would show up. Unfortunately now, and I'm not, just, I'm not talking about Starful Church of God. I'm talking about everywhere here in the U.S. Nowadays we are really only a shadow of once what we once were. We no longer see the miracles. We no longer see the signs and the wonders. We no longer see the fervency in our hearts anymore. And as I was studying and praying about this, this particular subject in the life of Samson, I was looking for a key component that I just couldn't seem to find at first. And there were clues that were related to maybe Samson's Nazarite vow that included no wine, not to touch any dead things, not to shave his head. You know, I even thought about the old, and if you've been in church long enough, you've heard us at least one sermon or two about from our text of how he laid his head in the lap of Delilah. And I was like, it's just not really what I'm looking for in this message. And finally, I saw it in verse 15 and verse 18. Chapter 16 of Judges, verse 15. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Delilah speaking. Verse 18. And when Delilah saw, he had told her all his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the Lord of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. You see, he had played games with her. She wanted to know the secret to his strength. And he told her several different things. Tie me up with some new ropes. Weave my hair into a loom and it'll take away all these kind of things. And she had gotten mad and she was crying and all this kind of stuff. But yet, according to Scripture, he had not yet shared his heart with her but there came a point in time when finally he opened his heart and he shared his heart and when he opened his heart and gave it to her he lost it all. Listen to the preacher this morning. This represents in the Old Testament as as Delilah, as a non-Jew, as an unbeliever, she represented the enemy. Before his heart had belonged to the Lord, before even though he had not always been faithful to his Nazarite vow, still it seemed his heart was fixed on the Lord until finally the day came where he turned his heart from God and gave it to the enemy. And it was at that 
point that he lost everything that he had ever had. Now listen to me this morning. The heart is the problem, and the heart is what I'm going to preach about for just the next few minutes. But I need to remind you that there was a path that took him to giving his heart away. And that path was those things. He wasn't supposed to drink wine, touch dead things, shave his head. But what happened? He compromised. He compromised and allowed sin in his life. And the compromise, though not immediate, eventually led to him taking his heart from the Lord and giving it to the enemy. I want you to hear me this morning. That's what happens. Same way still today. The problem is a lot of times many people dabble in sin or they do a little of this and they do a little of that and it's not like God just immediately sends a lightning bolt from heaven and kills you. It's not even like you feel something. In fact, time after time we find that that he would that, that the enemy would come and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and all these things until finally the time came where he didn't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, we must be cautious. We must be cautious about what we allow to go on in our lives because the longer we let stuff stay in our life that doesn't need to be there, the closer we come to giving our hearts away to it. So let's look at this little subject. I see what time it is. I'm not going to keep you a long time. I want to give you a few little things here. Talking about the heart. I want to ask you the question, number one, where is our heart? You know, today I'm preaching to church people. Today, many of you, you came to church this reason, maybe, and I hope maybe there's somebody here that has never been saved, and I hope before you leave here today you get saved, and I can tell you about Jesus and how to get saved. But I know the majority of you here today, and I know that most of us are church people. And probably most of us are not just out blatantly sinning. Most of us are not out there running around on our spouses. Most of us haven't been out there robbing liquor stores or shooting people. But I ask you this question, but where is our heart? Because I believe our actions will reflect where our heart is. I believe what you do. In fact, study this. I encourage you to go read about it. It was Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, sometimes people get that backwards. Read it. I'm telling you, I'm asked, check me on it. Listen, go to the Bible. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you are investing your time, your resources in, that's where your heart's going to be. What you put your time, what you put your resources, what you put your thoughts, what you put those things into, that is where your heart is going to be. So therefore, your actions will reflect where your heart is. If you don't half want to go to church, if you don't half want to worship the Lord, then my question would be, where is your heart? If you have to be begged, if you have to be pumped and primed and pleaded with to get you to just lift your hand a little bit or just clap a little bit. Listen, if it takes that much to get you to praise God, my question then would be, where is your heart? Secondly, I find when he gave his heart away, 
He didn't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord had left. I've already stepped on this already, but I'm going to come back to it. Verse 20. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He had gotten to the point where he had just begun to stray and stray and stray and stray little by little by little away until finally he got to the place that the Bible said he did not even realize that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. You know, unfortunately, that's the way many churches have become. Just little by little by little by little, we've, we've wandered away until we didn't even realize that the Holy Ghost is no longer in operation in our midst anymore. Now, this issue is addressed. You say, oh, that's a bunch of Old Testament stuff. Well, I, I got something good for you here. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. Jesus himself begins to talk about this. And unto the angel, the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Look at verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I want you to know this, that the most dangerous place to be in is in a lukewarm condition. Right here, Jesus was talking, and I've said this before, I'm not going to get deep into this. When you read into the seven churches, they were, yes, there's several different levels here. There was, yes, at the time that this was written, there were seven churches in Asia Minor that these were going to. But yet also, these were also for what many scholars believe. We look and we find periods of time in the life of the church as well as Thirdly, as all Scripture is, it's alive and it's always applicable for all of us at all times. And so I believe that as Jesus was speaking to the church at Laodicea, more than likely he was also speaking to us as the church in America. Because I'm going to tell you that if there's ever been a people in that place, especially previous to now, because God's been shaking some stuff up here lately but previous to now we were in that place increased with goods needed nothing didn't even realize how wretched miserable poor blind and naked because the church had gotten to a place where we had everything we were so blessed. We didn't have to worry about stuff. Nobody was hardly going hungry around us. We had so much stuff. And because, oh, God help me, because we have listened to, I don't hardly, but I just feel, we listen to charlatans like Kenneth Copeland, 
and people like that that have convinced us that if you got money and you got stuff, you've got the blessings of the Lord. When that ain't what the Bible tells me at all. We become convinced because we had a bunch of stuff, God must be really, really happy with us. But we bought into a load of garbage. And I believe, because there still have been some God-fearing, praying people, that we here in America, we have experienced some stuff like we have never experienced before. Did he send it? Now, I don't think God sent it, sent COVID, but did he allow it? Of course he did, because don't nothing get by that God don't allow. Why has God allowed some of this stuff to take place? Why has God allowed some of the unrest? Why has God allowed this COVID? Why has these things, has it just slipped through his fingers without him? No, absolutely not. No, I believe it is because God saw us and he still loved us, even though we were lukewarm, even though we were rich and we had so much stuff. We didn't realize that we were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, but God showed up in a way so that he could begin to shake us and wake us up and get us out of our comfort zone to realize that it's time to become passionate about him again. That our hearts have been in the wrong place for too long. But listen, don't leave here depressed. In fact, get happy because I'm almost done and it's only 1132. But even better than that, there's good news in this message. There is hope. Come on, look at somebody beside you and tell them there is hope. There is hope. In fact, we find it going back to our text in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges chapter 16 and verse 22. How be it the hair of his head began to grow again. After he was shaven. You see, Samson, Samson had his eye, had hair while he was asleep. They shaved his head. The Spirit of the Lord left him. They gouged out his eyes. And this is what Samson did. One of those old things like that. No more than an old mule just pushing around and around in circles. Oh, my God, I wasn't even planning on preaching here, but I'm going to preach here just a little bit. I don't know about y'all, but I've been pastoring now for, I don't know, 17, 18 years. And there has been some time where I have just asked the Lord, what in the world are we even doing? It just feels like we're just going around in circles. Sometimes I feel like we're just going through the motions. We're just swapping up members with other churches. We're just, we just coming in and trying to keep everybody happy. This one's mad about music. This one's mad about temperature. This one's mad about the carpet. This one's mad because you spilled something on the carpet. This one's mad because you didn't sing what she wanted. This one's mad because you didn't sing what he had wanted you to. Oh, my God, I'm going to preach for a little while longer. And I have felt like Samson at times, just wandering around and around and around in circles, saying, oh, my God, what is happening? But as Samson was there and God, something began to happen, the Bible said that his hair began to grow again. I've come here Starkville Church of God to tell somebody that I believe God is getting ready to get us out of going around and around
around in circles anymore. That our spiritual hair is beginning to grow back. That revival is at the door. That he's getting ready to do some awesome things in our midst. So one day, one day, oh, one day, a guard shows up. And the guard unlatches him from that device and says, Samson, taking you into the temple of our God, Dagon. Because we're about to have a festival, and we're about to celebrate how Dagon has defeated Jehovah. Mm -hmm. Folks, I'm telling y'all, there are some false gods. There are some folks out there running their mouth about how all oh, Jesus, he's no better than any other God. This Jesus is just a bunch of boys. You better buckle your seatbelts and hold on because there's one thing God's not going to allow, and that is his name to be defiled and to be defamed for too long. So... The guard unlatches him. They bring him out in the temple and they send a young lad to be his guide because remember, he can't see anymore. His eyes have been gouged out. And suddenly, something had been happening as that hair had been growing back. And I, I believe that he began to feel the Spirit of the Lord again. I believe that he began to pray again. I believe that he began to feel like God was not done with him just yet. And so as he's there in that place and thousands of people are gathered and he's kind of standing there to the side and they're getting ready to make fun of him and they're getting ready to celebrate their false little G God's victory over Jehovah, Samson leans over to the little boy. He says, son, would you just put me up against those pillars that hold this place up. And, and so that little boy, he, he didn't have a clue. He was like, all right then, Samson, I'll do it. And so what happens? We find that he gets in between the pillars, and he starts to pray, and he said, Lord, just one more time. Lord, just one more time. Would you remember your servant? Would you remember me, Lord, one more time? And give me victory over these Philistines. And the Bible said he put his hands on those columns that were holding up the whole place. And he began to pull. And suddenly the Spirit of the Lord returned to him. And he pulled down those columns. And the entire building collapsed. And the Bible said he killed more Philistines on the day of his death than he had throughout the whole span of his life. Church, I'm believing it. I'm believing we've been going in circles. But some of y'all like me have been feeling something. Some of y'all like me, the enemy's about to call us out. The enemy's about to put us on display. The enemy thinks he's going to prove that God is not real. But I've got good news. In the moment that he does is the time that God will show up in the most powerful way that he ever has before. You know me. I'm thankful. I am respectful. 
I am grateful for what God has done in the almost 100 years that Starfield Church of God has been here. But folks, I just got this feeling that God's getting ready to do in the end. Before the king splits the eastern sky, before that archangel shouts with the voice of a trumpet, before that time, I believe God's getting ready one more time to do something that's going to be greater than anything that we've ever seen before. That I believe that the Bible said that the latter house will be greater than the former house. There were those when the temple was rebuilt, there were those that could remember Solomon's temple and how great it was and how glorious it was. And they were sad, but God had to get a hold of them and say, just hold on. You just hold on because the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. Yes, God has done some great things. Yes, God has done some wonderful things here at Starkville Church of God and in the church in general. But you just hold on to your seat, brothers and sisters, because I believe what God has got ahead of us is far greater and far better than what is behind us. I believe that God is about to send revival to the church again, and we will see an outpouring of His Spirit Spirit, one more time before the coming of the Lord. Give him praise if you believe that. Yes. Come on, stand and give him praise. Stand up and give him praise here in this house. Hallelujah. 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 So what's the key? Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. As the musicians come. Revelation 3 and 19 says this. Jesus still talking, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Oh, that's a whole other sermon in, our, in itself because don't nobody want to be told they're wrong anymore. Nobody wants to be corrected anymore. But the God that I serve says, I correct you because I love you. And he said this. Many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous Therefore, and repent. Be zealous and repent. Where's your heart? What are you excited about? What excites you? What is your heart committed to? Is it committed to money? Is it committed to fame? Is it committed to something else that really in the scope of eternity doesn't amount to a hill of beans? i got to ask the same question to myself. Where's my heart? Where's it at? The Lord said, be zealous and repent. Folks, I've watched. I've watched over the last couple weeks. I've watched, and it's been on there for a year or so, I think, but I watched that uh, special on Netflix about terrorism. started with really a description, of, again, of 9-11 and all of that. And I tell you that to tell you this. There were people so committed to their cause, a false cause. Now, listen, Muhammad, he walked this earth, but guess what? He's dead. He's in the grave. He's gone. He's in hell. But Jesus. 
he was only in the grave three days. And then he rose, triumphing over death, hell, and the grave. But there are some people so committed to a false religion and a dead little G God that they're willing to sacrifice themselves, kill innocent people for a false hope, a false God, a dead prophet. But we serve a risen Savior. And how zealous are we even that we got to be begged to come to church, begged to show up at the house of the Lord, beg to read our Bible, beg to pray a little bit. Be zealous, therefore, Jesus said, and repent. I'm not asking you today to have zeal for a pastor. I'm not asking you to have zeal for a denomination. But I am asking you to have zeal for Jesus Christ. You know what else I'm going to ask you? I'm going to ask you to have zeal. And this is not popular preaching anymore either. I'm going to ask you to have zeal for the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. And as much as I read in this, I still can't figure out how some people can get out there and say, well, you know, you don't really have to be a part of the church. You don't really have to love the church. The church is Christ's body. How can you say you love Christ and you don't love the church? I know this is hard preaching, my Lord. But he said it. I read it to you. As many as I love, I chasten. God sent me here, I know, with a tough word this morning. But I believe it's his word. And I believe that his word will come to pass. So here's what I'm calling us to, Lord, to, folks. This is what the Lord is saying. Be zealous. And repent. Repent of our lukewarmness. Repent of our half-hearted worship. Repent of us barely desiring, being excited to go to the mall or go eat. But we got to be dragged to the house of the Lord. Being excited to go over and watch a baseball team hit a little white ball. But we couldn't pay you to come to the prayer meeting. Oh, God, I'm meddling now. Be zealous and repent. Here's what I want to ask you to do. This is what I feel the Spirit of the Lord is saying. To, I'm done talking. But if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm with you. I'm ready. I'm ready to be zealous for Him. I'm ready to be zealous for His body. I'm ready to repent of my lukewarmness. I'm ready for God to set me on fire. I'm ready for my spiritual hair to begin to grow again. 
If that's you, I wish you'd just come and find a place up here at this altar somewhere. I wish you'd just make a move. Even if everybody can't fit on this altar, these steps, maybe these front rows, maybe at least stand up here. But I'm telling you, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm calling you right now. I wish everybody would. I wish everybody would just come down and find a place and just begin to call out to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to become zealous. I'm ready to become zealous for you, for your body, for the church, Lord. I'm ready. I repent. I repent that I've given my heart to everything else. I've been in love with everything else but you, oh God. I've been in love with everything else but your word, your presence. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Set a fire down in us again, oh Lord, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, as they begin to sing, Lord, set it's a fire a down in us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Set us on fire, oh Lord. Set us on fire for you, oh God. Let a passion burn again for you. Let an excitement for you and your things, oh God, for prayer, for the word, for Let it burn in us again, oh Lord. Let it burn in us again. Lord, I pray for a fresh outpouring, for a There's fresh a infilling of the Holy Ghost here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, me. in this place, right here, right now, pour out your spirit in a powerful, enemies. powerful way. It's your blood, oh, Jesus. And your blood forgive us for you being lukewarm. For forgive us for being this lukewarm, oh God. Forgive us for being lukewarm, oh Lord. Forgive us for it, God. We let everything else take our attention. We and let everything I else take your place in our hearts. You've overcome it. Jesus. I will Jesus. My soul Set us on fire. Praise Set for us all you've done. Yes, oh Lord. This is how I fight my battle. Yes, Lord. This is how I fight my battle. Yes, Jesus. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I Lord, we repent today. In the valley, I know that you're with me. And surely your goodness and your mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battle. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I believe you've overcome it. I will lift my song of praise for all you've done. This is how I fight my this is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I
I just want to make a point of contact right here because we're the church. Would you just do that? Just make some point of contact right now. Just some point of contact right now. And I want us to pray for one another that God would pour out His Spirit upon us. Would you do that? Father, in Jesus' mighty name right now, we pray one for another, O Lord. We pray for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray for outpouring, O God. In Jesus' mighty name. And that outpouring and that anointing comes from the unity in the body of Christ, O Lord. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You said it's like the anointing oil that ran from the head of Aaron down his beard all the way to the soles of his feet, God. Let there be an anointing flow in this place, oh God. Let there be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this place as we join together and pray for one another and love one another and support one another. Jesus, 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 have your way in our midst, oh Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Have your way in this place, oh Lord. Have your way in this place, oh Lord. <laughs> Can you pray that? Can you pray that, Lord, have your way in this place, in my life? Lord, have your way. Have your way in me, whatever you want to do. Whatever your will is, have your way in my life. Have your way in this church. It's not about me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about what I want, oh God. It's about pleasing you and serving you, oh God, and fulfilling your will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 
Yes, Jesus, have your way. Have your way. Have your way in this place, O oh Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we praise you today. Thank you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What a sweet spirit there is in this place today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Dale, if you'll go ahead. I want everybody to stay in this. I want them to just lead you.